Moses spoke to us not too long ago, and he told us that there, there has been a deployment from heaven of angels carrying information. And sometimes to discern these things is going to take prayer, pressing in, because what makes us stand apart from others is what we know. Why we live the way we do is because of what we know, is what we have held or bore witness to. What will make us go out and infiltrate the world and begin to infiltrate their culture with our culture, subsequently making them behave in the manner of Christ, is going to be because we have witnessed that this way of life that Christ exposes us to will be the means of man being reconciliated with God once again. We said in passing, and it's something that we know already, that hell is simply being separated from God. And as much as people may not know it now, that's the worst thing that can happen to anybody. This morning, as I quickly was skimming through scripture before I came down, my eyes were caught with places, or caught in places where it says, bless those who persecute you. It was saying, do not curse them, but bless them. This way of life that Christ shows us, no matter what we may think or say, this is still the most superior life. This is the life that pleases God. So the first thing I would want to say to you is that we must remember that God has only been pleased with one. He opened the heavens and he declared. And I want you to remember that situation that he, Christ, was not the first one. He was not the last one. He was not the only one being baptized that day. But the Bible shows us something unique about his character, that differently to everyone else being baptized, he was praying when he came out of the waters. Uh, are you here with me this morning? He understood. He His prayer was an expression, uh, 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 an expression that he depended on God. Though he was son, he did not put this glory upon himself. He did not assume things. What prayer does for us and why prayer is so important is because it's a display of our humility to God. It's an offering before God where we are showing God that we cannot make a move without him. This is the reason why I love a person or I love a person like David. David in all his exploits never ceased to pray before God, never ceased to ask God questions, never ceased to ask God to to intervene in these situations. And I've said this many times, that the weakness shown to us by David in the place of prayer is what we now see as the reason why he was strong before people. The Bible shows us exploits, <coughs> victory upon victory. But when you look into the book of Psalms, which is the, the exposure of David's prayer, you will almost see him as a weak individual. So I understand that my weakness can be shown before God. I can bring my weakness before God in the place of prayer. When we pray, it's us bringing our weakness before God. It's us saying, God, can we trade our weakness for your strength? Can we begin to discern? So I just want to take you back to that thought that there has been a declaration, that there has been a deployment of angels carrying information. And if we're going to prosper in this new generation, I won't speak to you for long this morning. But if we're going to prosper in this new generation, guys, how do we know it's a new generation? One thing that the Holy Spirit marks to me is that there's always going to be great destruction that eliminates one generation 
to introduce the next. So no matter how this COVID type tries to wrap itself up, we can never forget about it. It's a form of water flooding the earth. It's a form of fire baptism over the earth. God allowing this to prove, to separate those who fear him. I think that's what I want to share with you this morning. Those who fear him, uh, we, we saw, we took an um, insight into the life of Christ. If there's something that we can find that Christ did every day, it was that he prayed. It was that he brought his petitions before God. Remember, and what I'm emphasizing with this is that I want you to remember who Christ was. This was not somebody that did not know God. But to be able to bring that knowledge and to be able to bring that infiltration of that kingdom into this realm, he knew that man had to pray. So Christ did not come to just deliver service to us. He came to show us the way we ought to live. If to Michelle, if I must, if myself, if I'm going to access the God-like side of myself, there are certain things that I must replicate from the life of Christ to activate that. And one thing that we cannot despise is the place of prayer. Again, skimming through scripture, I saw the beauty of someone like Daniel. Again, I'm still amazed that Daniel, we cannot find fault in the guy's life. But when you look at the life of Daniel, Daniel was so consistent. The Bible says that he prays three times a day. The Bible then goes and emphasizes that they said that after passing a law, in order to try and disadvantage him, they, they notice his strength. They notice that the strength of Daniel, the secret of Daniel was that he prayed. Prayer can be an observation from the outside world, but for us, it's an access point into a world that they can't see. When we pray, they hear noise. When we pray, we hear counsel from God. We hear what God is saying. We hear what God is God begins to tell us, and this is the beauty of church, guys. This is the beauty of being the called out ones that Pastor Toby was saying to us last night. That God begins to speak to us the things that are to um, be before us, the things that are about to fall before us. God speaks these things to us in hope that we would take advantage of the generation that is about to come. So I want you to know, as we already know, I believe we're all very much aware that what is happening is God's way of lifting us. It's God's way. Now, what do we do to know how to respond there? Does God need us to be wise? He tells us to remember our calling, that not many of us were wise when he called us. Not many of us were of noble birth. In other words, we did not have to have a supernatural beginning to have a supernatural end. What God is showing us is that if a man can just learn to fear him, if a man can learn, and prayer is a display of fearing God, if a man can learn to just seek him, desire him, need him, then we will be able to be in the position to change this world. I confidently say from this living room, like I said a few years back from my mom's living room, that we are more than capable of taking this world. Everything looks that with wisdom. If one wants to take consideration of wisdom, we do not look like the party that God can use to take the world. Because one, we're young. Two, we may not have the most businesses. We may not have the most finances. But what God is showing us, or what God is showing the world, is that he's going to confound their wisdom. He's going to show them that their wisdom 
is foolishness before God. That the wisest of the wisest is still nothing in comparison to God's wisdom. For if they had known God's wisdom, there are certain things they would not do. But not knowing that God in his wisdom still uses them to elevate his church for God. Now, Pastor Toby, again, will say to us yesterday is that God has set up his church to recover the earth for him. To take dominion over this ground. So I want us to go quickly to Hebrews 5. Let me just show you again, re-emphasize certain things that we found there in scripture yesterday. So that we can know what God is asking us. Please, I don't want it to leave your mind that God has put a download upon the earth of his wisdom, of his knowledge. And now it's going to be for us, in fact, also finding the scripture of glory. The scripture when the Bible says the kingdom of God is like a man should find treasure. Because there's a part, there's a there's a part we must play if we're going to obtain it. You know, one thing I find about treasure is that as valuable as it is, it's always hidden. And it's always hidden in its number. So you understand why I said that. It's always hidden. You, you hardly just find a gold coin. We grow up with the belief that there's a treasure te- chest somewhere. That someone just took that wealth and hid it. Everything that is hidden is to be found eventually. It's to be recovered eventually. Are you hearing me? Okay, read for me from verse uh, from Hebrews first. Every high priest is selected from among the people yeah. and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up praise and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Okay, stop there, read the verse before again. I want us to hear something now. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. In the same way, Christ did not take upon himself the glory of being a high priest. Go on. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Whatever position Christ will obtain, he can only obtain it if God says. If a person is going to walk into a, a, a way of life, it's not going to be because they deserve it naturally. Are you listening to me? It's not going to be because they they look the part. It's not going to be because it's in their bloodline. Christ, if we're looking at him according to the flesh, he could not be a, um, he could not be a priest. Are you listening to me? According to the flesh, because Joseph, who he will be counted as his father by the flesh, was not a priest. So whatever an individual is going to be. It's going to be because God has said it. The 
the issue is now is that we have to come into agreement, acquaintance with God's word being that if God has said this thing over my life, it is sure that this is what he wants me to be. So I've said this to you many times, that I am not a leader because I am good at leading. And that's why God said you're a leader. No, I am a leader because it has been spoken. This is the same thing I carry when words come and says that you will prosper. It may not look like it physically. It may not be a bloodline inheritance. My father may not be able to give me anything that will bring me into prosperity. But the issue here is, has God spoken? Has God said this concerning your life? From the word, have you discerned yourself? Has the word spoken concerning your life? We looked at Josiah and we realized that Josiah was not just the uh, a coming together of a man and woman. He was not just the fruit of the coming together of a man and woman. There was a word spoken about him. Yeah, there was a word spoken about him and we realized that he was given birth to out of God's will and desire. This was not someone born according to the flesh or his activities was not according to just the flesh. It was that God had spoken concerning a guy called Josiah. Christ too. You will notice that he was not just born according to the flesh. It was a word spoken over him. So when we come into the word or when we come into the presence of the word, it's so that God can speak. The shape, the form, the direction I will now take is going to be if I can discern what God has said concerning my life. So Christ, though he was a son, was declared a son at some point. And we now have to discover what was it that Christ did because God had to say, now you have become my son and I have become your father. And the question that we have asked ourselves previously, this is not a new question, is was he not a son from the moment he was born? Yesterday I showed you that there's a difference between a child and a son. I showed you that in this faith, what is childish is religion. You look at a child and a child wants to have everything to themselves. If you look at the way Zaniah, Levi, um, Neriah, Amelia played, most of the times they have their times where they share, but they're not consistent in sharing. All of them want things to themselves. Religion of this day is different groups isolated to themselves. But my question is that when, if Christ was to be here in, in the flesh, would he just be sitting amongst the Christians? Or would he be amongst people? People, I don't think Muslims have aliens. I think they have people, right? I think there are all kinds of people in this world. And this is who God has come for. This is who Christ has come for. So even putting that to the side, at some point, Christ became a son. Jesus of the flesh became a son. But carry on reading. Read that verse again, but carry on reading. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, yeah. he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So where we want to start off today with is that he was heard because of something. He was heard because of his reverent submission. He was heard, he was heard because of his godly fear. He was heard because of his approach. Our attitude towards the word is going to be the reason for our, our lifting or not. If we're not going to rise in this life, it's because we lacked fear. We did not fear God. Remember that in the things of God, the beginning of 
going to be if fear is there. This is not the fear of um, I'm scared or something. This is a, a, a level of honor that you bestow on the word, that you bestow on God. You can crown God with your honor. This is why, you know, a way in, in previous times or in old times, if you want to honor a king, you bring gifts to him. So someone will say, how can I honor a king? No, you can't honor a king. What do you bring before him? What is your attitude of approach? And it is possible that the more you come into church, the further away you go from God. The more you come into church, I'm saying the church as it as we have seen it to be, the more you come into church, you can become more acquainted with religious duties and fall away from God. So the reason why I keep repeating myself is so that we don't get into a place whereby we know how to look like Christians at the time of God's word. But we look so strange outside of his word. You know, as soon as the service is done, we look different. Our hearts now take a different form and shape before God. And yeah, there may be things that we may never say physically or open our mouths to say. But you do remember that you cannot hide from God. The Bible says that someone can go into the depths of the earth and still can't be hidden. They can go to the highest of heavens and still can't be hidden. So every area of our lives are seen so brightly by God's radiance of his life. God can see every area, our thoughts. Hence why we started to look into the scripture yesterday of taking captive of every thought to the obedience of Christ. Because like I've just said to you, that there's only been one that God has been pleased with. This person was pleased. Um, this person brought pleasure to God. Christ in whom we believe in, he brought pleasure to God. You will look at his life and one of the things and David, likeness of him, David or Daniel, is that they just could not stop praying before God. They could not stop. They, it didn't matter how much people tried to discourage them. It didn't matter how long it took for God to answer. They knew that prayer was the expression of their dependency on God. Every time I come down before I'm about to speak to you, I pray to God and I say, God, I have no talent of my own. I depend on you to bring your spirit I depend on you to speak through us. I depend on you to speak to us. The, the, the life of Christ, I, I love that they had to keep highlighting to us that Christ, though he was a son, still had to earn in some way a place before God in this realm. So your identity in the spirit can be known by God, yes. But in the flesh, if God is going to be able to operate by you, it's going to have to need, he's going to have to see that your spirit has been has got to a place whereby it can bring you before God in the place of prayer. I love the fact that the Bible highlights to us what Christ was doing. The, the, the duty of a priest for Christ and those that will come out of the fruit of Christ, those that will be the fruit of Christ, the duty of a priest is to be someone that brings petitions and offerings before God. Elijah, why would you be heard with some of the most extravagant things? How can you shut the heavens? It's because um, Elijah was like passion like us. He was like us, but he just could not let go of the place of prayer. And the reason why I say this to you is so that we do not lose touch with the power of God. Because eventually, you know one thing about God. God, the, the, God did not show us that Christ sometimes prayed. The Bible says the days in which Christ lived on this earth, he was praying. It was not, so do you know what happens? At some point you hit a high 
that differentiates you from your neighbor. And all of a sudden, that height brings you to a place where you no longer pray. Because you look good. Because you look powerful. But Christ, again, unless we are above Christ, Christ prayed. Carry on reading that. Christ prayed every day of his life. Go back to that verse, please. During the days of Jesus Christ the days of Jesus Christ on earth, go on. He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Now, he was fervent in these things. You know, what I love about Christ is because what I love about Christ is that he did not need somebody to provoke his prayer life. He understood, but why did he understand? Because of his reverence. He will have and he will grow in the knowledge of God because of his approach. Because he feared God that he will be given. I always ask myself, was he not living day after day in his operations? Was he not living day after day with his apostles? Why would he know what God is doing per time and his apostles will not know? It was that world he would enter. You know when we pray, like we'll go to pray in a moment. That world he entered, there was things that God begins to show him. There was things that God will show him in that world. It's something that is kept aside for those who fear God. If we can just fear God, if we can approach him, if we understand that he is the author of everything we ought to do, everything we're trying to do, we know that in that world are all kinds of secrets. There are all kinds of things. Joseph will know certain things because he's a man. Listen to me. Do you think that Joseph was not a man of prayer? Do you think he wasn't a man of prayer? Talk to me. Joseph was a man of prayer. I don't know why you can't ask me. Joseph was a man of prayer. Joseph was somebody that God communicated with. Joseph knew that he could not do this. I'm telling you that the knowledge of God is not actually revealed only in the place of preaching. It's, no, it's, it's revealed to you when you access the realm of fear. Find me the scripture that the, um, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. It repeats it a number of times for us. God needs us to understand that if we can just approach him, like Christ approached him. And again, why I keep using Christ as our example is that he was God's son. He knew why he was called to this earth. Yet he still had to get to a place where God would now say, now you have become my son. Today I've become your father. At what point did things change? Don't stop reading that scripture for me. I want not uh, to mind it. I know I've given you other scripture as well. But please carry on reading. He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Can you ask yourself the question, what makes you get or grow exhausted in a place of prayer? Why can someone get tired of praying? Or when we look in the word, the Bible says men ought to pray and not faint. There's an expectancy from God, from the divine, that man should be able to pray consistently. How did Daniel, in all his responsibility in Babylon, how did he maintain a prayer life of three times a day? And listen, God is not saying that we need to pray three times a day. That was according to the Jewish law. You understand? That was a Jewish practice that they prayed three times a day. But what I'm trying to say is that he even outside, listen to me, outside of his territory, his territory being Jerusalem, his home, he was able to carry a practice. He was able to remain in the place of prayer. 
But this guy did not grow tired. He did not grow weary. He kept on praying. So the question I will ask is, how did these people maintain a place of prayer, maintain a lifestyle of prayer, and not grow exhausted? Why didn't the turbulences they would face, the, the issues that David would face, why would, not, why would they not stop him in the place of prayer? Can I just identify one thing to you so that you can think with me? That David will begin to tell us things like, he will begin to describe the person he sees in the place of prayer. It will make us know that God is somebody that says that vengeance is mine. He will know, you know, he grew, uh, let me just say this to you. He, the Bible would tell us descriptions of God as being the great and terrible one. You know, in the place of prayer, he found out that it's more fearful to be on the wrong side of God than it is in the wrong side of people. He kept on praying because he had obtained. Let me tell you something. I said to you that the revelation, if you've been listening to me, I said to you, I think it was last week or whenever, I said that the revelation of Christ will be marked by your humility. Are you listening to me? Yes, Once you finally see the person that you are calling on, you will know that you cannot stop, you cannot but pray to him. There is nothing that is before you that you will be more fearful of. Because the man of battle is who is on your side. You don't understand what I'm trying to say to you. David, Daniel, and all of these people can carry on praying because there was someone more fearful than the people that they saw according to the flesh. When you won't pray is when you have not seen Christ. Because there are things in your fleshly life, there are things in this world that will intimidate you. Not having finances will intimidate you. Elisha learned how to be a man of prayer because Elijah was a man of prayer. Yeah. Elisha was the, the, the servant. He was the, um, what's the other word? He was the servant. He was the mentee of Elijah. And the Bible says that Elijah was a man of prayer. So look at this. Elijah's, or Elisha's, sorry. Elisha's mentee will be a man that has fear according to the world. Because he was not a man of prayer to see that there were many for them. He would not know because he has not got into that lifestyle of prayer. He would not know that yes, though a truth is coming against them, more are for them than are against them. But Elisha would know this because he's a man of prayer. The oil flows in your life the more you pray. It becomes more effective and tangible the more you pray. In fact, it's almost like oil becomes a solid matter when you don't pray. It cannot, be, it cannot bring, um, uh, it cannot be fluid. It cannot work for you when you stop praying. It's like it becomes clogs. It clogs itself together. But when a man prays, you allow it to flow. It allows you to operate. It's a means for you to work with the power of God. I love the things that the Bible will show us in the life of the apostles. They will come and they will walk with Christ and they will learn something. What was the thing that God taught them? What did Christ teach the apostles? Something that we can say is tangible, that we can show, we can hold in scripture and take from it. He taught them how to pray. In different kind of situations, he taught them how to pray. And look at what they were now saying. When they were now given the authoritative position in the church, they did not take that position as a position to relax. 
In fact, they did everything to put every other duty to other people. And they said, as for us, we will remain in the ministry of the word and of prayer. In fact, the Bible will show us that consecration. I, I need you to understand where I'm going with this. Consecration of unclean things will be marked by word and prayer. You know what I'm saying to you? It's not my idea. It's what the Bible says to us. The power to turn something from evil to good is in the ministry of the word and prayer. You know, they said that these foods will be cleansed or these foods will be now cleaned by the consecration that comes from the word and prayer. I want you to understand these things, guys, because it's very easy for us to grow tired of prayer. You know, when we say, okay, it's prayer in the morning, there's already a complaint that is said in your heart. You have not yet seen Christ. Because those that have had a revelation of Christ, those that have grown in the knowledge of Christ, they run into the place of prayer. What does, what does the... Okay, I've got many scriptures, so let's balance the scriptures. Finish with Hebrews 5 before we get there. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Some though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you. We treated this yesterday, that there's much more to speak concerning certain matters. The Bible is, is complete enough to bring us injury, but it's not complete of God. There are more to God. There's more to God. There's much more that we can discover. It doesn't matter how great the past generation may have been. There is still more that God can do. God is not incapable. God is not short. God is not somebody that cannot do a new thing. He always tells us that they can do. He can do more things. He says, behold, I do a new thing. But look at what the Bible says. Carry on. But but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. We treated this yesterday, so I won't spend time on it. Your desire to know. This is me, guys. Your desire to know. Your desire. But if God has not put it in you, I was talking to one of your sisters yesterday. And I said to her that, you, you know, your desire to grow is the evidence that you're growing. You know, as much as you think that that might be common, not everyone has that desire. Yeah. There are things in your life that can make you content. Yeah. You are not, you know, so uh, I, I said to her that, look, when you look at a child, how, the evidence that they're growing is that they are always trying to do what they can't do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a girl wants to be a woman. A boy wants to say to you that, Levi tells me all the time he's stronger than you. He wants to do what he can't do. But that's actually the evidence of growth working within you. So that longing, that groaning, which is still a prayer, guys, to be your your groaning so that you clothed. You prefer the clothing of the heavenly dwelling when we're desiring to grow in the things of God. It's because you are groaning. It's a prayer that you want to be clothed with God's clothing, with the heavenly dwelling. Please, guys, listen to that because if not, we won't understand these scriptures. What does heaven mean to you? What does it mean? To, what, what does heaven mean to you when the Bible says that you desire to be clothed with 
the heaven dwelling. What does that mean to you? Is that the sky? Does that mean that one day you're going to be wrapped from the sky? Does that mean in heaven, what we may not be able to account for, all of a sudden you receive a new body? A body prepared. There's a body that learns obedience. I said to you guys, listen to me. There's the spirit of Christ that God created. Do you remember that the order of God is that he creates things through his words? Then he forms things. At what point did Christ, listen to me, at what point did Christ become the son according to the flesh? When his body learned obedience. No, okay, cool. Carry on reading. Remember this order so you don't lose me. In the beginning, God created the world. He created even man. But Genesis 2 tells us that he now formed the man out of the dust. The formation of a man is what will bring the completion to the man when it's done. So Christ, yes, he was a son according to the spirit, but if he's going to be a son according to the flesh, is when his flesh has been brought into agreement with the spirit. Are you hearing me, guys? Carry on reading, go on. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. A child still needs to be taught. There are some things that my mom don't need to tell me no more because I've grown to be in a slump. I've grown into the position of maturity. She don't have to repeat. She don't have to say, don't wet the bed. It's not in my, it's not in my, um, um, I've grown out of that. Do you understand? It's not what I'm thinking I'm able to do. It's not possible no more. The Bible lets us know that there's infancy stage and there's the sonship stage. And what happens here is, anyway, can you read it? I want you to hear this so you don't think it's me saying it. Go on. You need milk, not solid food. So read the verse before. Then. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. So at this time you ought to be teachers. So you, you ought to have grown to the place of maturity. Mm. Now people should be learning from you. But you, you still need to be taught. Now these are the things that I want you to understand. The moment when your flesh is moving in you and it's still compelling you to go and sin and you fall in sin, you're still an infant. Have you ever asked yourself why God has never rejected you, therefore? Why God has not rebuked you in a manner that you thought he would rebuke you? Can I tell you why that's the case? No, I shouldn't tell you. The reason why you would feel like after you've sinned or after you've done wrong, why God should rebuke you is because you're growing. No, you as a child think you're a son. So you think that you deserve the response of a son, the response of the mature person. Moses had grown to a place whereby he was now a son. So the little act that he did was what brought him the, um, the consequence that he had because he entered sonship. But you see, God looks at your life, God looks at our lives, and he sees that we're still in the infancy stage. The stage that, you know, you, you, a child just responds to the impulses they have. They just respond to how they feel, you know. You say to Zaniah, stop crying, you don't need to cry like that. You can't really tell her that because she's still an infant. It's still the way she is configured to behave. But the son 
became, the, the son, though he was according to the spirit, I want you guys to understand this, he was a son according to the spirit, but the Bible says you have become my son and I today have become your father, was the moment when Christ, the spirit at work in him, was able to prevail in him and was able to bring the body under subjection of what the spirit is trying to do. Person that has the seed. Okay, let me not even go into that here. Carry on. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. Yeah. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Anyone that is still on milk, so God is giving us just a level of himself because we're still at infancy stage. But God is saying that there is more. So you see, like I was saying to one of your sisters, I was saying that that desire in you is the evidence that you're growing. What do you need to just do? As much as it may seem like the milk is something to be despised, it's still the entry before the solid food. It's still what you have to desire. What did Peter say? Peter said that you should desire. You should crave the spiritual milk. The more you take that, have you seen a child? A child grows. It amazes me that just milk makes a child grow. A child grows simply because they have a craving. In fact, it was almost like a fear. Their craving was like a fear. It was their approach for the word at that time. What God is saying to us is that at the infancy stage that we may be growing from, what will mark maturity to us is the same impulses that used to make you do the things that were wrong before God. It doesn't matter that they're still present. They won't be able to move you because you have now known that this is wrong. I tell you, sometimes the bridge between infancy and maturity is actually pain. Think about it. Unless your parents are mad strict, yeah, mad strict, like crazy strict, most of you were beaten when you were in your infancy stage to identify to you that this is wrong. But you don't get beats now, hopefully. <laughs> you don't get beats now because you should have known. I looked at Levi. Levi had to learn. I've said this story so many times. Levi would run away from the iron every day of his life because I used to tell him stay away from me couldn't understand it. He had to touch it to receive pain. And pain will now be the mark of understanding for him. He will grow mature in that area. This is the reason why I say to some people, do not despise even your pain. Because your pain can be a mark of growth for you. It may just be what's necessary for you. You know the pain, you know, like someone can make up a decision to give this and it's going to bring a pain, it's going to mark them. But what will bring them to the maturity of their faith is that at the time of giving it, their immature thoughts would have been, how would I live? How would I pay for this? But then they gave it and they received the pain, right? But their maturity of faith will be what came outside of that or came after that. All of a sudden, you thought that what you gave was going to interrupt your business. But it was only after you experienced that pain that God showed you that I am able to bring someone to bring even more to you. Yeah. Are you listening to me? 
pain is going to be necessary for us to transition. Christ, every day of his life, he afflicted himself by praying. He called on God. So we look at our community. We don't pray. Is it because we go to church on Sunday? We don't pray. And don't think on the morning prayers. I, I one day went to um, my cousin Jeff's house. And one day somehow we went to someone on his, um, that lived on his block. We went to their house. And in the morning, the mom and dad wakes up all the kids. And they do work session and they pray. But when I'm thinking back on it, the reason why the black community especially pray, um, they can pray, 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 shout, is because most of their prayer is out of fear. I mean, not the godly fear. It's out of fear or something, worry. And the Bible actually says and states clearly that God will not respond to such prayer. So you're shouting and God's just keeping a deaf ear. We have to understand what God wants us to do, but this is still not where I'm going, but carry on. What's the time? But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Read that verse again. Please listen to this. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Who by constant use. Do you understand? Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use has grown into the ability to discern. They know the difference. So, the, how do you know if you're still an infant? Are you still falling? It's that simple. Like, as much as we may want to ignore that, that's the truth. Christ, according to the flesh, became a son when, his, when he learned obedience. What was he talking about? Is it the spirit that learned obedience? How? The spirit is eternal. It was before God. Are you understanding what I'm trying to share with you guys? Yeah? That, that your spirit is to bring your body under subjection. The spirit, when we're praying for strength in our inner man, is so that the body can be forced, can be brought to the uh, can be brought to the state of being tamed by the desires of the spirit. So until then, what do we do? We desire, we crave the word. I told your sister the other day, where oh yesterday, when you're growing, it's just eating, just keep taking the word. Despite before, imagine stopping a child because they did something wrong. They'll die. <laughs> They'll just die before you. What I'm trying to say to you guys simply is that we must stay in the place of the word. But again, so Christ now, because I'm focusing on focusing on prayer, Christ was somebody that understood that every day that this body was able. I love that scripture. Please go back to that scripture. He prayed unto the one that can save him from death. The question that we've asked ourselves um, before is, did he not die? So you know that this is a conversation of the spirit. Are you guys listening to me? But what was the other scriptures that I, I gave you to pray? Matthew 13, go on. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Oh, wait. Yeah, go on. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. In the joy of discovering treasure, he gave. He gave everything away. Whatever was his possessions was something that he desired for. Either he inherited it from somebody else's labor, let's say his father, or he worked for it. 
But at the point of discovering treasure, the kingdom of God is like something to be discovered. The moment when he found it, he was happy to give everything away. I told you that the mark of the, the mark of that you've had a revelation of Christ is going to be your humility. It's going to be your decision to bring yourself down. Because what Christ is, I look at the life of John, what brought John to the place whereby he could have a revelation of Christ was his prayer, was his humility, was that which he went through. Guys, why I keep stressing these things is as I was upstairs, I thought about all of these people and I tried for a moment, and I still am, but I tried for a moment to recognize because you know when we read the Bible, and I want you to be honest with me, as much as we read the Bible, there is something that makes us feel like these people are supernatural. As much as, much as you, when you think about it, you realize that they were ordinary people. There was something that made them seem like they were supernatural people. Wow, an eight-year-old becoming a king. Have you seen that in our generation? A, a woman born, a, a son born at the tender age of their parents being in their 190th of age. You're, you're, you're thinking of these things and you're saying like, these stories just sound supernatural. But when you look at them, their lives became supernatural in our observation because they depended on God. Prayer is the communication of dependency. But was there another scripture as well? Huh? Yeah, read that for us so I can begin to round up so we can pray. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, this is where God started to speak to me this morning. Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When God begins, and there's other translations, there's other um, verses that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and all of these things. But I want you to understand that when God says, through our pastor, Pastor Tommy, saying that there has been a deployment of angels carrying information, what's going to bring us access to that information is not us seeing an angel walking in. It's if we can find the fear of the Lord at this time. Are you listening to me? It's the fear of the Lord, which is expressed by your constant prayer before him. You fear, listen, I understand that me being here, you know when I was saying to you guys before that um, COVID is real, coronavirus is real, and we're not going to tackle it by being arrogant. We tackle it because we are praying. I know very well that I am as vulnerable and close as the world in getting being that we're human beings. Yeah. But what makes us not able to get is our faith. When the Bible says that the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower yeah. that people run to, what do you think that means? It's a place of refuge. It's a place of prayer. Prayer is our security. No, you're not listening to what I'm saying. Prayer, a man that cannot pray is exposed to all kinds of things. When wealth comes, wealth will begin to deter their heart, will pull their heart away from God. They did not amount strength. They did not strengthen themselves in a place of prayer. They did not find themselves in a place of security in order that they will not be brought out of God's house. The name of the Lord. But read the last scripture. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Now listen to this because the last scripture I'm going to give you now is Psalm 25. 
the secret. God confines. God shares certain things. God, when you hear the word that God confides in, I want you to understand that God wants to share what he has with somebody. The Bible asks us here, those who are close to me, people like um, Pastor Vivian, Pastor Ben, that's known, uh, that's been with us for long, that's been with me for long, will know that there's one scripture, and I've said it many times to you guys, there's one scripture that I love. The Bible says, ask me, and I will show you great and mighty things that no one has ever known. God intends, listen to me, God is not someone that has secrets that don't want to share with you. He wants to confide with somebody. But that person must fear him. I don't want to say this, but to get my point across, it's almost like he's insecure with who he can share things with. Because what God knows when he asks Job things like, do you know where the storehouse of snow is? The things that God knows is able to bring destruction to the world if given to the wrong hands. Do you ever understand why it was such a problem for Adam and Eve to eat out of the tree of good, um, the knowledge of good and evil? For them to know things that God has not entrusted to them. Why? Because their body has not yet come to the level of obedience. There are some things that God cannot share with us. Did you not hear what Paul said? There are many more things that we can say, but it's difficult to share. There are some things we cannot say to say. Why does parents have a fear of, for example, sharing with kids sexual education too young? Because they can be exposed, they can be exposed to that thing prematurely, which can bring harm to them. So you would understand, what I understand from Adam and Eve, it's not that God, like Pastor said to us many times, it's not that God didn't want to share these things to them. It's just that their body had not grown to being obedient. Their body had not grown to acquainting itself with God's word. What God is looking for now is to tell us, listen, God wants us to fear him. Our fear is what's going to bring the approach that will allow God to now trust us with deeper things. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God wants to give us there is greater. You know, I was praying and we've been praying that God grant us a deeper waters, take us into deeper waters, take us into a greater word. And God is still saying that when you grow, it's weird to hear it like that, but when you grow, I will feed you with these things. If your body can learn obedience, I think this is what I'm trying to share with you. If you grow, listen, the object of fear in the life of Jacob, yeah, was the fear of his father. Uh, dude, let's go there actually. Psalm, for, um, not Psalm, Genesis 31, before I end with Psalm 25. Genesis 31, I believe 42 or something like that. Genesis 31, verse 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, the women are my daughters, the children are my children. Okay, stop there. So, listen, Jacob grew outside of his father's house, but he had an object of fear. This object of fear will keep God speaking or communicating with him. It was that object of fear. God, 
fear, the first fear when God says fear me is so that he can begin to put knowledge in you. I want you to understand this. The reason why we don't do business like the world is because we fear God. The reason why we treat people and we love people is because we fear God. When I look at Sicily, I understand that she is a revelation of God. She is an image of God. It is therefore the fear of God that makes me careful with how I deal with her. I want you to understand that this fear is going to be the entry point to the knowledge that God wants to give us. And what I feel that God is saying to to us as we enter the place of prayer, what I feel that God is saying to us is that he wants to share that secret with us. It's not the fact that you have to press your way into something. It's more that you just have to enter for him to share it with you. The secrets of God are with those who fear him. Those who have entered that narrow way, the fear of God. The world that we live in, many people do not fear God. And that's including those that go to church. They don't fear God. They are not conscious. They do not have an object of fear in their life that keeps them communicating with God. And when I say communicating with God, then you remember that I said communication is more than what you're saying. The life you live communicates with God. The things you do communicates with God. Your body, have you heard of things like body language? It communicates with people too. What we're looking at, what our faith is based on, it's not based on the sermon of Abraham. I don't know one. It's not the sermon of Isaac, the sermon of Jacob. It's the life. Their body communicated something to God and also communicated something to us. So what I want you to understand is that God is saying if we can fear him, and this is something that you develop or you maintain in the place of prayer. My total dependency on God, knowing that, listen, if it's not that I come to God, it is possible that everything I'm working for can collapse in a moment. The fear that God, the Bible says that you should not fear the one that can harm your body, but the one that can put both your soul and body into hell. That's the person you should fear. Now, God says that if we can fear him, he will share. Now, listen to me. These secrets are already, I don't know how to describe this now. The secrets of God are already beings. It's not that you're praying to create a secret. It's already there. He wants to just give it to you. The way God operates is through the giving system. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say to you guys? No, listen to me. The things that are secrets to God, what will make us become billionaires and trillionaires are not things that are to create uh, that needs to be created. They already already they're already created, they're already beings. And God wants to share it with us, but it's going to be if we are subject to fear. Now, go to the last scripture, Psalm 25. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Start from verse 13, no, start from 12. Who then, who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Did you hear that? For only he can release my hands or release my feet from the snare. In other words, if God chooses not to, if if your feet are still in the snare, 
It's because God has chosen that you stay there. So do you know what I've realized here? I, this is why maturity has taught me that immature faith blames Satan for everything. That the mature believers know that nothing happens outside of God. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Yeah. That nothing happens outside of the personality of God. The immature faith that we came from, if, if someone trips up, if you're eating in a dream, it's the devil. If you trip up, it's the devil. If you misbehave the day before at work and then the next day you lost your job, it was the devil. But we taste laughing because it's happened. We see it. It's madness. But would God reject these ones? No, they are children. They're not yet sons. Sons cannot be entrusted with anything. But sons understand the operations of their father. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God understands that those that can fear him are the ones he can confide in because he can trust their body. If you don't understand why I'm emphasizing on the body, you have to understand that the Bible says that you should glorify God in your body and in your spirit. I spoke about this back in Youth Revival, back in Holy Ghost Zone. I've spoken about this. That God wants us to glorify us and glorify Him through our bodies because He purchased. You remember I said purchased for what for? I can't remember what I called it. But God is looking at us. And he's saying, he's just waiting to entrust certain things to us. He's waiting for our bodies to come into agreement with what his spirit, what his word is saying. So Christ became a son according to the flesh when his body was now trained, was now obedient to the word. And this comes through putting into common use the word that you're hearing. So what I will leave you with, as we read that scripture one more time, but what I will leave you with is this. That the words you're hearing, so I said to your sister yesterday, I said, if I were you, every word you hear, I would not just be sitting down listening. You know, I, why we need to praise because there are a lot of distractions ministered to us daily. So you will look at that when the word is going on, there will always be something. Have you realized that sometimes it's only when the word comes that you need to go to it? There, there are just some things that come naturally in your body because your body right now is hostile to God. Please listen to what I'm saying to you. Your body right now is hostile to God but if God is going to take dominion over the earth, he needs a body. Christ knew it and he said, a body you have prepared for me. There's a body that God needs but the issue is that that body because in itself is hostile because it has come out of a curse because it is hostile to God it will do everything so have you noticed as well every time you're about to pray that's when you're tired have you noticed that sometimes when you're tired in a place of prayer as soon as prayer is done you're not tired any longer your body communicates things as well so what does God want from us God wants us to get to a place to grow into maturity and what's that maturity I have already called Jeremiah to be a prophet. I've already called Josiah to be a king. I've already called you to be a billionaire. But what do I need? I need your body to agree. Once the day, the day that your body agrees, and that's from constantly coming before God, listen to me, that's constantly coming before God, praying, subjecting your body 
Do you understand? Subjecting your body, the more that you do that, what will eventually happen is that God will now say, now you have become my son, and today I have become your father. You have learned obedience from the things you have suffered. I told you that the transition between infancy and maturity is going to be the pain, the suffering that you've gone through. So what is God saying to us? That uh, Read 25 again from verse 11 this time actually. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity. Yeah? Though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? Who then are those who fear the Lord? So in case you don't understand what I mean when I'm saying fear, who then are those who fear the Lord? Go on. He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. The people that can be instructed. The people that when they've heard yesterday's word, they have found. So what I was saying about your sister, I said, if I were you, I would not be here just sitting down because listen, out of respect, you would be sitting down listening anyway. As much as you want to make this people, as Pastor Toby is talking, unless you're mad, you're not going to stand up and walk out and say, I can't take this no more. If PT goes five hours, you're going to sit there out of respect for him. But who are those that God says that fear him? I said to your sister, if I were you, don't just be like everyone else here that sits down. Because out of respect, if Pastor Obi calls for me, you're not just going to be staying in your room. You're going to come here. If you're going to prosper, you're going to be the person that finds instruction in what he says. He will instruct them in where to go. So I said to your sister that every time you hear the word, don't listen to the words as if you want to preach it back to the person. Because you know that's what people do. They, they've got good memory so that they, they, they can re-preach it. What, what they should be looking for is instructions. That's right. So when you see me listening to Pastor Toby, I'm actually looking for instructions. I'm looking, he says, oh, look for your 30 people. I am thinking, I'm thinking about it. I am doing it. Look for instructions because the word is not just there. It's to instruct you in the way you should go. Carry on reading. He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. Yeah. They will spend their days in prosperity. As a result of this, they will spend their days in the... Yeah. Prosperity is not something that comes to you when you've clocked the age of 30. Prosperity comes to you when you've clocked the age of maturity. When your body agrees. All of a sudden, things will just come about. So anytime, the next time that's sin is trying to move in your body, that's the moment that your body is trying to be rebellious. But have you strengthened your spirit strong enough to hold that body in place? Because if your body no longer moves, Joseph was able to get to the next stage of his life, which was God's prison. You remember I told you why it's God's prison? Because the only people we saw there are symbols of the bread and wine. He entered God's prison by obedience. There's no way you're going to go to the king's palace if you're not entered God's prison. God's prison is where he restricts your flesh. Obedience makes you, you know that you can be free, but there's a mental cage around you that tells you you can't do it. So Joseph said to himself that, listen, though people may not know what I will do with Potiphar's wife, I cannot do it because I fear God. It's the fear of God that brings you into this life. That brings you into this path. So, I uh, carry on reading. Let's finish this off, actually. 
and their descendants will inherit the land. Now, so prosperity, which will be as a result of maturity of your body, of the fear of God, it, it, it will come at that moment. The Bible then goes on to say that your descendants will inherit the land. So yesterday when we were talking about COD and the future of nation, right now we are working the ground, we're tilling the ground, but there will be descendants. One day we will be looking as witnesses and we'll be seeing our great, 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 great grandchildren. And those people will be the presidents. Easy. We'll have that in our generation. Oh God, you're not going to wait, wait for me to go up and test it. We'll have it in our generation, but we'll see that it will be the norm that leaders of nations come out of SPAC nations. It will be the norm. Why? Because you became obedient. Abraham became obedient. He trained his body eventually. And when he trained, you remember, he trained his body. He was still an infant when he gave birth to Ishmael. That's why Ishmael could not be accepted. He was still an infant. He did not know how to train his body. But when he trained his body, it was evidence when God said, kill your body. He was able to bring what his body didn't want to do. He was able to do it out of fear and reverence. So what does God say to us, guys? We are growing. We keep eating so that we can become strong. So that we can say no to the body. So in fact, carry on reading because there's actually a final verse for God. The Lord confides in those who fear him. So now God finds himself, he finds himself comfortable. There are things, matters. The secrets of God, I want you to know that the secrets of God is like a weight in his heart. That he wants to offload to somebody. But that's going to be people of fear. Again, people that when they see they're going to do this, this is what they're going to do. Because of the fear of God. Are you hearing me? Carry on reading. He makes his covenant known to them. Yeah. My eyes are ever on the Lord. Ever on the Lord. They're not stirred away. It's not that money has come and all of a sudden I've become a businessman. No. The Lord who brought me business is the Lord I'm still looking at. It is the word. So why am I saying this? It doesn't matter. One day we're going to have mansions as big as drinks and even bigger. Amen. Amen. If you don't want it, I'm going to live there. I'm telling you. Yeah. But we're going to have these things. But it's not that now that we have that, we start looking at our assets. We're going to be looking at the word. The Lord, we will not lose sight of him. Carry on. But only he will release my feet from the snares. Turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart. Okay, so stop there. So, so So what God wants from us is that attribute of fear. And again, that's developed in prayer. We're constantly fighting against our flesh to bring it under the subjection of the word. So you will realize that what God regards as your offering, guys, is not what your spirit gives. Romans 12, read it for us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Imagine that your body, which you would have deemed as carnal, is actually the offering to a spirit. For God is a spirit. Isn't that what the Bible says? But the sacrifice that is pleasing to God is your body. Offer your body, which means you cannot offer something you don't have control. Of you, if you don't have dominion over your body, you can't imagine trying to. Uh, can you 
would you be able to take a bull that is fighting you to offer? Do you understand? That's like your body, you're trying to offer it to God, but it's fighting you. What you can bring to the altar of God is what you've got, and what you've been able to subdue. So this is the reasonable sacrifice. This is your reasonable worship, that I have taken dominion over my body, and I bring that before God's altar. Read it for us, go on. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I want you to raise your voices and begin to pray. That's what we're going to stop. I want you to know that this is your reasonable sacrifice. Your body. You know, uh, uh, wait, hold on. You know that we have grown up in religion and you just feel like everything is over spiritual. Everything is just, you've offered your spirit. Your spirit now knows how to speak in tongues when your body is hostile to God. God is saying, no, now your prayer, the fear you have, it's going to be what will train your body to the place where God says, now Gogi is my son and I have become your father. Do you understand? It's going to be, and sometimes, and this is what I want you to understand, sometimes it's the pain of your disobedience that will bring you to your place of maturity. Sometimes it's just you went rogue for a moment, but then God had to show you the cons of that. You had to suffer. The Bible says that he learned obedience through his sufferings, his hardship. So as we pray, we're praying, God, we we approach you, we understand what is there to learn from you. That you want to give us beings, knowledge. There are angels carrying information, knowledge. Gideon will come into knowledge of himself when an angel comes and says, you are a mighty man of valor. What I want to be is a man of fear. I want to be someone that knows God. I, I want to approach God the way I should. And as we begin to pray, God will begin to download. Angels will begin to speak to us secrets that we've never known before. All of a sudden, our eyes will open to the word. And why this is key is because what exalted Joseph, what exalted Daniel was the secrets that the world didn't know, which came only from God, not from the wisdom of, of the world or from sorcery, but what God shared with those who love him. Open your mouth and begin to pray.